The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. I sentence you to serve 125 years. Have you got the right case? Columbia Pictures presents Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. I have my head over half for listening to you. Together again in Stir Crazy. I can't smell nothing in my life. One's a little too good. That's Grossberger. The biggest mass murder in the history of the Southwest? Nobody has ever just sat down and honestly talked with that man. Hello. One's not quite bad enough. They got this Korean doctor just set foot in this country. Make sure you don't get him. That's right. He's the one made the mistake on me. Korean. How do you go? <laughs> That's the cat did me. Could you actually become involved, I mean, romantically, with a prisoner? Absolutely not. Oh, I didn't think so. Excuse me, will you? I'll come with you. Oh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor in Stir Crazy. Only these two guys could dress up like woodpeckers and get framed for robbing a bank. Stir Crazy. That's right, that's right, we're bad. Uh-huh. Imagine all the possibilities. If the whole world was just like me. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I am your host Jimbo, and today joined again by... The wonderful co-host Kyle. Wonderful. Um, before we get going on today's episode, um, I'd like to take a moment uh, to let everybody know that one of our listeners and a lifelong friend, uh, John Masco, um, who was at our live event here in Indy, uh, was in a, a terrible, just horrific car accident. Um where he has some injuries, uh, a lot of injuries, and uh, he needs all the prayer and support and thoughts that he can get. Um, he's a good man. Uh, so if everybody could just keep him in your thoughts and prayers, um, fellow friend of the podcast, so uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, so, wishing him all the best and speedy and complete recovery if all possible. Right. Yeah. So, Kyle, this is uh, episode 113. We're going to be talking about Stir crazy. Right. So, Kyle, before we start. Question. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor have teamed up to do at least four movies that I know of. Mm -hmm. Which one is your favorite collab between the two? Uh, 
Hear No and See No Evil, probably. See No Evil, Hear No Evil? Yeah, like, Hear No Evil, See No Evil. Wherever that, I have to look up the title now. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty funny movie. Uh, they did that. They did Silver Streak. They did Stir Crazy. And I think I got the other one in my notes somewhere, too. Um, it's I can't think of it off, um, think of it off the top of my head, but... Uh, yeah, this this movie's pretty funny too, though. I agree. I think it's pretty. Silver Streak was more of a serious role with some comedic elements. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Kyle, no sense to beat around the bush. Let's just go ahead and jump right in there today. All right, sounds good to me, Jimbo. All right, so we have Stir Crazy, released in 1980. Here, um, directed by the legendary Sidney Poitier of uh, like a, in the Heat of the Night fame and uh, other movies such as that, and of course, uh, I guess he's coming to dinner. So, excellent uh, uh, star cast there, just on the director's chair. Writing credits, we have Bruce J. Friedman and uncredited uh, Charles Blackwell for the writing of the film. Um, budget was just $10 million, even for the time, a little bit of a lower uh, budget film. Um, just for inflation, that'd be worth about $36 million today. And for the box office, it grossed $100 million. So, a huge return on investment there. You know, big time. You, know, you got to think probably what... $30 million probably to make, all of a sudden done expenses of the film, probably $30 million probably to make, you know, $60 million to break even. So, name a $100 million, so good, tidy profit of $40 million there. And adjusted for inflation, that'd be equivalent to about $363 million. So, cool stuff on there. Moving on here, we're just going to go straight into the cast here. We have, of course, the legendary Gene Wilder playing Skip Donahue. Gene Wilder, of course, best known for such roles in the, like, uh, uh, the... Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka and the Charlie Factory, Blazing Saddles, and a ton of other amazing comedic <laughs> films. Then, of course, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein and everything else, too, as well. Oh, wow. I had to stretch right there. Cool. And then we have uh, excellent Richard Pryor uh, playing Harry Monroe. Uh, Richard Pryor, of course, like movies like Superman 2. Uh, three. Superman 3. That's right. Superman 3. Uh, the Toy. And a bunch of other great films. Brewster's great Millions. Brewster's Millions. Probably Brewster's Millions. Probably my favorite, actually. Richard yeah. Pryor movie uh, with him and John Goodman. Oh, so good. <laughs> classic film. Next up, we have George Stanford Brown playing Roy Schultzbrand, Joe Belf Williams playing Meredith, Miguel Angel Suarez playing Jesus Ramirez, Greg T. Nelson playing Deputy Ward Wilson, Barry Corbin playing Warden Walter Betty, Charles Weldon playing Blade, Nicholas Coaster playing Warden Harry Sampson, Joel Brooks playing Lynn Garber, Jonathan Banks playing Jack Graham, and Erlen Van Lith playing Grossberger, <laughs> and <laughs> Louis Van Bergen playing guard number one. Carmen Marcello playing Teresa Teresa Ramirez. There we go. There I got, go. The, got the syllables in there. There we go. <laughs> and we have Estella Omens playing Mrs. R.H. Broach. Quick little synopsis of the film. This is of uh, two men moving from, I believe it was, uh, was it New York to L.A.? <laughs> Yeah, moving like L.A. and being wrongfully accused and convicted of robbing a bank they were working at, and they have to, and trying in an attempt to escape prison, they join a uh, uh, a rodeo contest <laughs> with a bunch of other with a bunch of other uh, fellow prisoners to plot an escape. <laughs> right, oh, man, it, it, the the bird costumes they wear because they it's they so as they're traveling across from New York to. California, you know, that they have to get jobs along the way. That was their whole plot. Mm-hmm. And the scene, man, where Gene Wilder, they're in that bar. I don't know if it's in New York yet or if it's on the way. but On the way, yeah. Yeah, they're on the way, and, and they have to get somebody or whatever. They go to that bar, and then there's some guys with that punching bag. Mm-hmm. 
And he's like, them two guys over there, they like that. Oh, yeah. And he goes, walks over to him. Hey, They're buddy. going to kill can you. Can I try that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that little jingle they do, I got it in here. I think the whole jingle that they do for the, where they're dressed in the chickens at the thing. Oh, thing. my gosh. So, yeah, yeah. Or even like the first bar they go to. <laughs> Like the taxi driver and the customer having a fight, and then he's like, "I can break up this fight," yeah. and he goes to the whole thing and like, "You need to apologize." Meanwhile, the whole time the taxi driver has the man by uh, literally uh, the jewels of his life. Yeah, doesn't he have like a, a wrench or what's he got? He's got something yeah, like a, just like a clamp, basically, yeah. like right on uh, the, the the family jewels, rather. <laughs> and the whole time the man is being very compliant because he wants him to let go. And, and Gene Wilder, completely oblivious, is like. You need to apologize to like, this man uh, and come to see your differences. <laughs> and Richard Pryor's over there, like, and he goes back and says, "He's like, see, I told you, people just he wanted to be talked to." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Let's talk about some fun stuff in this movie. So prior to filming, Arizona State Prison Warden Robert Rains had tried to organize a rodeo for two years. The biggest obstacle was the cost of constructing an arena complete with grandstands, stables, and livestock shoots. When Columbia Pictures inquired about renting the prison for a film shoot, he saw a way to realize his dream. If security could be maintained, the prison was available for a fee which matched the budget for the new rodeo grounds. Rain said there was a fringe benefit we didn't anticipate. Morale in the prison was never higher. Some 350 inmates signed on as extras playing themselves, and the rest, even the most notorious troublemakers, stayed on their best behavior. There were simply no incidents. Oh, yeah. It gave me something productive and, like, cool-hearted to do. Like, hey, we're going to build a whole radio station and actually have a huge amount of fun there. Like, that's the thing people go a to radio celebrate. radio station. Uh, rodeo. Rodeo. <laughs> I was like, rodeo, yeah, look at this radio. fun radio station. Radio, too. R- rodeo. Kyle, you know, okay. stir-crazy. Kyle is already a stir-crazy. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, before we get going... Another one of my favorite scenes is Gene Wilder thinks it's just a joke or whatever that they, they're roughly a prison member and he's they're walking in there and Richard Pryor's like, Oh no and he's like, Oh you still know. can't believe you're doing this. Yeah. And he's like, This is amazing and he's like, No, no, we're in here now. Yeah. You know, and then he's like and then Richard Pryor switches, he's like, I'm blind. I'm like, you know, just you have to see this movie. Just every little moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, of course, as always, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder improvised many of their scenes together, which... Oh, without Them doubt. two together, mm-hmm. they're just flooding. Uh, according to Greg Ferrara at Turner Classic Movies, Richard Pryor constantly showed up late, uh, hours late on set, sometimes not arriving until noon. His bodyguard later admitted to Pryor's agent, David Franklin, that Pryor was freebasing cocaine every night, making the star's behavior erratic and paranoid. Yes, erratic and paranoid. And uh, yeah, I think uh, like even his wife later uh, posthumously kind of like admitted to a lot of the things he did during his whole life. And uh, that man had a very wild and out kind of lifestyle for many, many years. And right. uh, at the same time, uh, well, more power to him if you have the will and the, you know, like whatever you can embrace those kind of indulgences. But uh Still has the negative consequences as well. Right. So, unfortunate there. As an MIT grad, Erland Van Lith was appar- uh, apparently allowed to wear the famous brass rat graduation ring during filming. You can see it most clearly in the scene in the metal shop when he bends the metal bar. Hmm. Brass rings. Oh, in, in the prison. So, yeah, you can be able to wear that in the prison. Right. So, yeah, it's still cool. Uh, this is the first movie directed by an African-American to gross over $100 million in North America. Just one of the many more accolades you can put at Cindy Anio's feet. And be like, oh, Cindy Potier's feet. And be like, hey, you did everything. Yep. <laughs> You're amazing. Uh, yeah. He was such a great actor. Yeah. We yeah, need to yeah, do more of his yeah, Every part where I read more and more about his life is like, this is all incredible. <laughs> right. 
Uh, publicity for this picture at the time of release stated that it was the Columbia's picture's third biggest hit in the studio's history, running only behind Kramer versus Kramer and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Close which we have covered. Yeah, we have done that one. Excellent movie as well. Uh, this movie was the sixth film that Sidney Poitier directed, but it was the first one in which also he did not star. Mm. So... Uh, this was Richard Pryor's first $1 million paycheck movie. He also received 10% of the gross. Oh, wow. So that was yeah. a big payday for yeah. him, too. So, however, Gene Wilder received top billing. And another uh, you, another you was the other movie I was talking about. Oh, another and you. And See No Evil and Hear No Evil, Pryor got first billing over Wilder. I've never so. seen that one, personally. I don't, I don't think I have it. either. Yeah. Unless I've seen it and I don't know the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the character of Warden Walter Beatty, who was played by Baron Corbin, uh, was frequently referred to in the movie as Warden Beatty, as this spoofed the name of w- Warren, Warren Beatty. Beatty. <laughs> <laughs> now, here you go. You ready? The nickname of the group of bank robbers was the Woodpecker Gang. <laughs> the Woodpecker Gang. <laughs> as Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor dressed up as woodpeckers in this movie, as well as go to prison, there was uh, has been long been an association of the Paris characters being jailbirds in this film. But the two are never actually seen in the jail wearing bird suits. In fact, Richard Pryor refused to wear the woodpecker costume for the bank scene, so a double was used in the film, but uh, he did wear it for the poster and promotional pictures. Ah. I wonder if that means, like, well, yeah, surely he did the voiceover for that scene then. I I'm guess. sure he had to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah, he can't just do that. Yeah, wow. That's, <laughs> that's just shattered the illusion. <laughs> Gene Wilder's like, sure. Just, Gene Wilder's like, I'll do it. How do you get I refuse to debase myself. Like, have you looked at your whole career? <laughs> <laughs> Did you not see your one million dollar paycheck that's exactly. coming your way yeah, plus ten yeah. percent of whatever we made? Movie growth, yeah, which is more than you got paid for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, this is one of only two movies in nineteen eighty, uh, or one of two movie, uh, one of two nineteen eighty movies featuring a mechanical bull. This one and the other one was what. Kyle. I have no idea. Urban Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. Uh, and if you know, Gene Wilder is even uh, labeled as an urban cowboy in one scene of this movie. So <laughs> That's funny. Okay, uh, that's... This is the second of four cowboy. films starring Pryor and Wilder. The others are Silver Streak and Other You, uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil. And both were also involved in Blazing Saddles, which we've covered on this podcast. But Pryor as a co-writer and Wilder on screen. Um, if you go back and listen to that. They didn't want... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was an issue with Pryor being in the movie. Um, but you can go back and listen to that. I can't remember that one. Yeah, I can go back and that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we have a podcast of that one, too. Yes. Excellent podcast. Proud of it. Uh, this picture grossed $101.3 million at the box office in the U.S., making it the third highest grossing movie of 1980, Kyle. Very impressive. What two movies were ahead of it What's in the box office in 1980? Ah. <sighs> You should be able to get one. The other one, you're going to struggle. I really should know these, but I uh, don't. The one, the one shocked me. One, you should know. If you look around my room, you probably get a, a, a hint. If you look around the studio, you yeah. probably see some inspiration of one of them. I, was it Halloween or Michael? I can't remember. I can't remember. Kyle, like look, 1980s look, look, look around my I, I room. Was it Star Wars? <laughs> Which Star Wars came out in 1980? I don't remember. The Empire <laughs> Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. Okay, yes. Empire Strikes Back. I was like, I don't know. Good grief, Kyle. You are really I'm like, I know my own age. <laughs> How old are you? I don't uh, know. <laughs> How many fingers I got? Ah, and they're the, past my toes? And the <laughs> other one was... Nine to five, starring Dolly Parton, Nine to which five, shocked Parton. me. So, wow. good for her. 
Yeah. Dolly Parton's a dream. All right, here we go. It's the, a shame we don't have more movies of Dolly Parton so we can talk about Dolly Parton more often, but like, there's a few. <laughs> the lyrics of the Woodpecker Jingle song goes, at the goes, bank goes as follows. Goes like this. Goes like I'm this. not going to sing it. I'm just okay. going to read it. Oh, you'll save money, knock on wood, when what you do, what a good <laughs> woodpecker should. Save for a horse or a brand new ranch when you flock to the Glenboro Savings Branch. You can feather your nest with frills, fill your garage with Coupe de Ville's. Just relax if you have a big bill. What you can do, be a smart bird too, you little pecker you. <laughs> That's a great final lyric. <laughs> I think at our next live show, Kyle is going to dress up in the woodpecker suit and do the little jingle for the you live know, audience. Get a good woodpecker suit, dude. I'm always game for a woodpecker okay. suit. Okay. Right, yeah. Remember you said this, Kyle. Yeah. It's now recorded. Yeah. yeah you, I'm sure you can find a Woody Woodpecker suit. I don't know. I, I, there's, like, I, I have hovered over a lot of suits in my lifetime. Like It's like, hmm, I could just... You know, I asked my coworkers like, "Would you object to me showing up in a hot dog costume?" And they say, "No, they wouldn't object." So I'm like, "Well, I can get a hot dog costume or a woodpecker costume. I could do it. I could do it." Uh, Richard Pryor nearly quit this film twice, according to Gene Wilder's autobiography. One day during filming, the craft service department was serving watermelon, and some of the crew members began throwing pieces of it at each other. A piece of watermelon landed at Pryor's feet. He left the set, returning only after the crew member that threw the piece was fired. Another incident almost shut down production through the stories vary on this uh, story. According to If I Stop, I'll Die, the comedy and tragedy of Richard Pryor by Dennis A. Williams and John A. Williams, Pryor claimed that members of the crew were driving out to the house where he was staying, two hours away from the film's uh, Arizona prison location, and shooting at him. One day, he said a crew member dropped a watermelon from a ladder near him, and that was the last straw. He walked off the set and vowed not to go back. Oh, wow. Jeez. Okay, yeah. The first case, the, fir- the first scenario at the cafeteria, like, throwing watermelon in, like, at each other, I was like, oh, okay, that's a really dumb food fight, but, like, I wouldn't get that upset about it. The second one is like, oh, that's just a hate crime. But <laughs> if if it's true, there's varying yeah. stories, you know what I mean? And this yeah. was early in the 19... This was 1980, so different yeah. time, different Early era. 1970s, even, for the film right. of the movie, too. So the whole situation was like, yeah, I can see those kind of things happening uh, as well, though, also, like, Richard Pryor, you know, had his own... Um, personal demons dealing with something like that or issues of paranoia or something like that too so it's like but you think Sidney Poitier would have stepped up and, and, and saw some of that as a director of the film certainly. exactly yeah so I think uh, so because um, like you know you definitely have a zero tolerance policy I'm sure for any kind of racist that acts like that um yeah, so. Uh, of the mo- four movies that they did star together this was the most successful at the box office so there is that uh, the cast and crew had to leave the prison walking in a line single file every night so the guards could ensure that no inmates escaped. One night, Charles Weldon recalled, as I was walking out, a guard asked me to stand to one side. I should have realized something was wrong, but I obeyed him without any uh, second thought. A moment later, Weldon found himself marched towards the cell block along with the inmate extras. <laughs> Fortunately, the film's production coordinator noticed one of the actors was missing and rushed back to the prison. Walden added, the guard told me, I could have sworn you were one of our guys. He was profusely apologetic, but I didn't mind. To an actor, there could have been no higher compliment. Yeah, no higher compliment. Yeah, she's like, you thought I was the guy. Yeah, I was a scumbag. Yeah. Um, Erland Van Lith played Grossberger, which that guy in this was pretty funny. Uh, He was the homicidal maniac who was maliciously assigned to be the duo's cellmate. Do you remember they were trying to... 
the premise of this movie is Wilder. They want Wilder because he's such a good a radio, radio yeah. uh, bull rider. Bull, bull rider. Yeah, that they want him to be. They've lost so many in a row. They want to win this competition. He's going to be like Thrace in the hole. Mm-hmm. But they told they told him. They said, "Look, you can get anything you want. You just got to deny it and say and, and have lists and recommendations and get us more stuff." Well, they they tried to break him, and mm-hmm. and he. They do break him, but then he doesn't show it. He's just acting yeah. crazy. Like they put him in solitary confinement. Member, he's like, "Can I go back in?" You know, what I mean? he's out there for what four days or really? something. So, yeah, like four days. But they, one more they day, put I'm him in there myself. with Grossberger, who's known as like the 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 big the bad. Big he reminds killer. me of King Kong Bundy from the wrestling. <laughs> but they put him in there. And they come back to check on him the next morning and learn they're playing cards. Remember, yeah. <laughs> such a strange. Film. But anyway. Uh, he was the homicidal maniac who was maliciously assigned to be their uh, cellmate in hopes that he will he will kill him. Basically, mm. uh, Van Lith was actually an MIT computer science grad who accidentally turned to acting while en route to an operatic career. Oh wow! So, operatic makes sense. He has a, he has he has like the mouth structure for it. All kind of like the the diaphragm. He looks like, like Kingpin, kind of. I'm sure that man can yell. <laughs> uh, so he said he is grateful to director Sidney Poirier for allowing him to read the script during filming. He said, when I did Woody Allen's new picture, I never knew the title or what it was about. So. <laughs> uh, the prison unit, which uh, the majority of the prison scenes were filmed, is in Central Unit located in Arizona State Prison Complex, Florence. The tower that is directly in the middle of the cell block where Skip and Harry are placed was built solely for the movie. It still remains in the cell block, which is cell block two, but is never used. Hmm. So, uh, there had been plans to make a sequel Stir Crazy 2, which, Kyle, oh, yeah, totally, totally would you have liked to see a sequel? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I wouldn't have had no problem with it. I think it would have been absurd and even more ridiculous, but I still would have been like a, a fan of it. You know, <laughs> but would they be going Richard? back to prison is the question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Convicted for a crime they didn't commit. Same thing. <laughs> the exact same premise, just over again. Just an opportunity for more dumb jokes and even higher levels of absurd, absurdity. Because at that point, you have to acknowledge how dumb it is. And I think that's a great thing to do in a movie sometimes. Uh, I would get like Anchorman 2 vibes, probably. Right. It was during this filming of the movie that Pryor binged on freebase cocaine, dumped a bottle of a 151 room uh, proof from all over his body and set himself on fire. He stated years later that it was a suicide attempt because he couldn't stop using cocaine. Oh, geez. So he, he had a lot of demons. Which he was like a whiplash right there in a 180 of tone. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I mean, once you get hooked on a, a, a drug like that, man, it's hard to. Yeah, it's a difficult monkey to get off your back, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Any, yeah. Drugs, vices, all of them, and things like, you know, like, well, I mean, um, get help, drug help prevention, you know, suicide prevention, all those kind of things. Right, like, uh, yeah, get help. It's, it's, it's worth, you know, life's worth, life's worth living. <laughs> we, we, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but we are we are serious people when it comes to suicide prevention, uh, getting help uh, for your addictions. Um, AAA, I have a lot of friends that have been sober now for uh, five years, 15 years, you know, it's... Oh, yeah. Get the help you need, people. Yeah, of um, Or you can reach out to me and Kyle. We'll, we'll help direct you in the right area. So Yeah, do everything we can. So even though the real robbers were caught off camera, by the time the prison escape happened, Skip and Harry would have been guilty of aiding in the escape of Rory, a convicted murderer, and Jesus, or Jesus, who was an actual bank robber. So mm-hmm. um, one thing I will say about this movie is there is some nudity in it because how they find the actual killers... Was a tattoo on the guy's hand, and the lady lawyer goes undercover 
and as at the strip club, mm-hmm. and so you do see some nudity. There is some language in this movie, so it is, I think, rated R, if I remember correctly. It's an R-rated movie from 1982, right. so it was like, well, it was acceptable Not 82, for an R- 80. 1980. Also. Yeah. Um, also. So, Kyle, the, what do you think of Stir Crazy? Ah, oh, man. Without, this is a movie of, uh, this is a star-led movie entirely. Um, if it wasn't for Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, this movie would have just died. Uh, would have just, like, no one would remember it at all. We wouldn't even cover it on the podcast because it would be just so darn boring that no one would even talk about it. Uh, so Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder are the reason this film gets even up to a higher level of, like, above mediocrity. I think this movie is solid. I think it's pretty good. Um, this is by, I don't think it's the best of the, either of their films in their career. I think it's, like, pretty pretty good. But uh, you can pass it as well. You can pass by it. But, uh, yeah, so this is a star movie where, like, it's well, it's worth watching. if you're Especially if you're a Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor fan, it's worth watching. But it's not a movie to write home about, necessarily. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, if you didn't have those two actors, if you didn't have somebody putting a director in it, it'd be like, ah, this movie, yeah, just forget about it. But uh, having those, all those things come together means there's some good, like, ad-libbed comedy and some good, like, scripting for, like, absurd, absurd jokes. And also just always a good look at the time of, like, okay, what was, you know... Like, how did 1980s or 1970s people view themselves and you get that reflected in this movie? And that's always kind of fun to see. Um, you know, uh, it, it sounds like a young kid's way of saying it, but it's always fun watching a movie that's even like 30 or more years older and being like, oh, hey, this is how people view themselves. It's almost like an historical movie at that point <laughs> in my mind. Um, so, uh, you know, interesting well worth movie, well worth watching. Jimbo, how did you feel about it overall? Because I think you <laughs> loved it. Well, I told you when, when I watched it, I said, it takes a lot to get me to laugh out loud in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I did it several times in this movie. Just because when once they once they're in the the uh what was it, the courtroom and they find out that they're getting convicted, they say, Well, how long will that be? And they're like, What was it, 152 consecutive life whatever the maximum Something was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fifty years or whatever. And uh their lawyer's like, Okay, we agree. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I was like, What? And so but then you know, he he gets the thought. He's like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll do an appeal." Well, Gene Wilder thinks his appeal is going to happen like within a week or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, soon realizes that because he he goes to the prison, you know, on the bus, and he's walking with that guy with the chains, and they're just yeah. talking, have a good time. And uh, then when he had that breakdown, when he finally realizes when they're walking him to their cell block, I think that's where I laughed out loud because he just goes on and on and on. And it's funny. Um, Gene Wilder, to me, is one of my favorite actors. The, the guy is just, he was just pure comedy gold. And I wish I could have met him. Wish I could have got his autograph. Uh, the guy is just one of my favorite actors. And just every movie he's been in mm-hmm. is just pure comedy to me. But then when you hook him up with Richard Pryor, it oh. just intensifies that it's much more. Even further. Yeah, yeah. And um, I actually, after I watched this, I was like, man, that was so funny. So then I put on See No Evil, Hear No Evil. And that's even funnier. You know what I mean? It just oh, keeps yeah. getting, it just, I've just enjoyed it. I enjoyed their their movies together. I think they are funny together. And um, I think if you know going in that there is some language, because of course Richard Pryor always has language. He's a stand-up oh, comedian. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Same with like George Carlin and all that back in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, 70s and 80s. So um, if you know that, and there is knows that there is the scene with the nudity in it towards the end where the lady goes. This, this is a movie for adults, that's right, for sure. That's right, for sure. absolutely. Yeah. But the comedic genius between the two is second to none. Yeah. And I like this movie. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd ever seen the whole thing through. I remember uh, seeing the scene where the the um, the uh, 
the person that runs the jail or the prison uh, warden or whatever, where he takes him in there. I remember seeing him riding the the uh, mechanical bull, and, I, and he cranks that thing up all the way up to like a ten. You know what I mean? He's oh, yeah. like, yeah, you know. What I mean? So uh, I've seen that before, but as I sat down to watch from start to finish, I think this was my first time watching all the way through, and it's hilarious. So yeah, yeah I think like yeah, it's it's Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor doing excellent ad lib comedy, especially for the time for the era, and a lot of it holds up really well. Right. Me. So yeah. So um, this episode, there wasn't really a whole lot of information out there. So Kyle and I will be doing a real talk. Uh, to be sent out right after this as well. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this and stick around. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us where, Kyle? Uh, gosh, he does, all never mind. media feeds, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you know, TikTok once uh, one day, someday, and all of our social media feeds. We'll have like, um, everything set up. You look up Tragedy of Cinema, we'll be there. Google yeah, Tragedy Podcast, of Cinema. Spotify, all that good stuff. And you know what? I, I discovered this week that if you have Audible, we are on Audible, too. Audible now. Wow. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. So, yeah, we're on Audible. Um, so if you want to leave us a review there. Um, so, any last thoughts? Kyle, uh, you know, be strong, be happy. If you're, you know, be good and be good at it. That's what I say. Be kind, rewind. Be kind, <laughs> rewind. Yeah. Uh, some 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 of the older people get that yeah, younger exactly. generation. Like, like, rewind, this. rewind. What? <laughs> <laughs> My DVD doesn't rewind. I, even I know that, and unless I'm, I'm not under thirty, so like a lot of people get that. Be kind, rewind. I've been the blockbuster. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. So there you have it. I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. Wrapped and. Cut.